time is running out to get your early bird tickets for Humane, our exploration of how AI will affect the media and marketing industry. Go to humane.au, that's H-U-M-A-I-N dot A-U to secure your ticket today. Start the week with Unmade. Setting the agenda for the week in media and marketing. Today, Qantas goes back to war with the AFR. Jules Lund comes back to radio. And other digital platforms taking it easy on scammers. Unmade. It's Monday, May 8th, 2023. I'm A Beauty and good morning, Tim Burrows. Good morning, Abe. How are you? Very well, thank you. Uh, the cold snap is certainly uh, kicked in in Tasmania. Three degrees when I got up and came to work this morning. So, uh, you can feel the snow on the mountains. It chills me to my bones. <laughs> How about you, Tim? <laughs> we do have a cold snap in Tasmania. Um, for the first time this winter, um, I'm sitting next to a radiator which has been switched on. So, um, yes, I'm afraid it has arrived. Uh, where would you like to start today? Well, let's start with the nine newspapers. I think it would be a great place to start. Qantas has fallen out with the Australian Financial Review because it doesn't like the way they're being covered. Tim, what exactly is Qantas doing? Yeah, so this you'll read in pretty much all of uh, the nine newspapers. There's there's reporting of it in the Sydney Morning Herald uh, with the, the same story appearing in the, the Age 2. And then there's a different version of it in the Australian Financial Review. Um the main issue is it would seem that Qantas does not like the way that Joe Aston, who writes the rear window column for the AFR, has been covering the lap of honour for Alan Joyce as he exits as Qantas's CEO. Uh, so it, 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 it appears to object to a couple of things, um, one of which has been um, – Joe Aston has been very well covering the arguable underinvestment of Qantas in new aircraft. And he wrote a very comprehensive, well-researched piece um, some, some weeks or even months back now, which really was what I think took to the kind of mainstream business market – the, the 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 little nudge that um there's a big problem for um Alan Joyce's successor Vanessa Hudson, which is that um the the whole fleet has aged. Um and then more recently um Joe Aston then started kind of just looking a bit more at that as you know, it's my description, lap of honour that Alan Joyce has been doing and the sheer um uh, number of dollars he's been taking out of the business um, as his remuneration in the last year or two, um, while still sort of taking credit for sticking around and seeing the age, the, the, the airline through it is, it's kind of sticky phase. Um, so I, um, it, 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 it's clearly hit home because, um, and I, I'm going to try this myself. I'm actually in the Qantas Lounge tomorrow, so I'm going to give it a go. The way it's being reported in in nine newspapers is that the financial review had appeared alongside the Australian and ABC news bulletins on Qantas Wi-Fi networks in a deal announced in July last year. Um, Now, 
I think what that means is in, in the reading app, I don't, I don't think what they're saying is that the AFR is actually literally blocked like it's a dangerous site on the, uh, on, on, on the organization Wi-Fi, but I am going to give it a try just to, to check that. Um, thing is, is this is not the first time that this has happened. Um, back when, um, uh, the, the 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 what are now the nine newspapers were were owned by Fairfax. There was a similar time when um, Qantas decided that it was actually going to effectively try to stop its customers from seeing those papers. So they they had been distributed for free in all of the lounges, and uh, and then that stopped. And um, news news court papers continued to be available, but not the others. Um, apparently. The AFR carried on being available in the chairman's lounge, but as the likes of likes of us don't get to go in there, I can't can't say whether that was the the, the case for sure or not. Um, but then, when the pandemic came along, all of the newspapers vanished from the Qantas lounge anyway, and you know, under the guise of I suppose not spreading the virus with people sharing newspapers and then they just haven't reappeared which 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 you know was probably a nice cost saving as well um so yeah i i guess this is the big question is if you're a big organization and you want to be seen as being you know on the uh, the right side of progressive politics which which Qantas often does then seeming to be playing around issues of censorship doesn't seem to tie in with that so yeah it does it seems like massively clumsy move not least because it creates a far bigger conversation than if they just let it, it let it lie mind you joe aston does tend to push it in his writing and, and journalistic style wouldn't you say tim <laughs> he does i think that's why i think he's such a brilliant columnist I mean, the fact that he does such a good job with Rear Window year after year is, you know, is a real contributor to uh, to the quality of the AFR. Funnily enough, um, someone not associated with the launch the other day was talking to me about um, uh, they'd been watching Sire. This is the thing that Chris Jans is working on, which is going to be taking on the AFR. And um, that person said to me, they should just talk to Joe Aston and offer him 10% of the company to come across. And um, that, you know, that's not a crazy thought at all. Um, I'm, look, I'm, I'm a fan. I'm probably a fan of Joe Aston's writings because I've never appeared in his column. Um, and I'm sure if I did, I might take it a bit more personally. Um, the, the problem is though, although he goes extremely hard, he's usually right. And the people he goes after, he punches up. They're the people in power who should be held to account. So, look, I, I, um, I think if you have to point to the best of business journalism, then Joe Aston is one of those places that you look. Up next, Jules Lund comes back to radio. Next, we turn to an exclusive in The Australian, and I, I must say I'm not surprised at all being a bit of a radio nerd, but it looks like the prodigal son of Aussie radio, Jules Lund, will be back on the airwaves. Yes, this is, a, this is an exclusive in The Australian this morning, the media section of The Australian. The, the headline, as you alluded to, prodigal son, Jules Lund, signs with new network, Disrupt Radio. Now, I guess it's probably worth 
firstly, for those who haven't listened, you know, haven't got more than a few years listening to the radio, he's been away almost long enough that we might need to remind people who he is. So Jules Lund, um, I, I guess sort of w- would have become most familiar to people through appearing on um, Getaway for Nine, but he actually found his break in a kind of radio ta- talent contest with, I think it was the Fox. It was certainly for one of the Southern Cross stereo stations. And, you know, he, he, he did various shows. He did um, a pretty strong drive time show with Fifi Box for, for the, what was then the Today Network is now the hit network. And then he got the old ultimate poison pill, which lots of people do, which is the breakfast slot for Today FM. Um, I sometimes think just as many people have uh, done Today FM breakfast as uh, have appeared on Home and Away. So there are a lot of people who've tried and not not succeeded in that gig. Um, and that that was his his his, his last main contribution to uh, to to radio. Um, he was on a two year contract though, so for the for the second year of it, he basically um, hung around in the uh, in the SCA offices writing his business plan for something called Tribe, which um, is this micro influencer platform. Which um, yeah, it's fu- it's funny reading this piece actually, and let's get into it um, because I was thinking about Tribe over the weekend. So, um, so yeah, the Oz is reporting that, um, uh, Jules Land is coming back, um, to new talkback station, Disrupt Radio. Um, now there's been a little bit of talk about this. So this is a kind of business based station, which doesn't have a kind of AM or FM license. Just how we'll, we'll just be on, um, on DAB plus, which is the kind of sort of, you know, digital offering and streaming as well, obviously. Um, and he'll be presenting uh, a, a drive time show, four till six. Now, what the piece doesn't say, I'm pretty sure, is whether this is live or not. Um, the show is called Startup Nation, um, and we'll, we'll broadcast weekdays from the studio's new South Bank hub. Um, it has previously been announced that Libby Gore will be doing the breakfast program from seven to nine. So, Given that it's called Startup Nation, I I feel it might might be a bit more featurey and about startups. I don't know if it's live or not. Um, but that's usually a good indicator on how all in somebody is because if they're doing it live, then you know there's no kind of hiding from things really. Um, you know you've 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 got to be there and show up rather than you know popping into the office once a you know once a week and recording everything all at once. Um, so. So I think this is still the interesting thing, though, is, is you know, will, you know, will, will Disrupt Radio actually find the sort of audiences it might need to become commercially viable? It feels like it's almost a commercial version of the ABC. I'm looking that uh, Michelle Guthrie has joined. Um, yeah, I believe she's on the board, if I remember correctly. I, I wonder if, is this what Vega tried to do? kind of intelligent talk and music. I'm wondering if it's the same thing. I'm wondering how successful you can be not having an FM license. Big questions that I don't have answers for, but it feels like it's possibly a, a commercial version of the ABC. Would you say, Tim, is that a, a fair assumption? Yeah, look, I think that's a very good question. I think one of the things, and it's interesting because this hasn't been answered, your assumption there was that there will be music, my assumption, but equally unbased, was there that there wouldn't be. This would just be a kind of a talk business thing. Um, so I think it's, it's actually um, time 
um, now that there have been a couple of reports on this thing for us to dig a bit deeper into it, which which I will do in the uh, the coming weeks. So Benjamin Benjamin Roberts is the um, is 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 the founder and CEO. So I will try and talk to him. In fact, we'll we'll invite him on the podcast, shall we, Abe, and see if uh, see if we can quiz him about his plans. Um, so um, I. I think you put your finger on it, though. That that big question is: is, is can you break through without um, uh, doing it on, on one of the traditional kind of you know broadcast AM or or FM? Um, DAB Plus doesn't have much reach at the moment. Um, uh, there there was a stat thrown around at the um, Umbrella did the Audio Land Summit a couple of weeks back and. They did quote um, the boss of Commercial Radio Australia um, with an extraordinary jump in the number of DAB listeners, um, uh, which apparently was an early headline from the Infinite Dial, which is the annual audio survey they do. I must admit, I I saw that number and it was such a huge one-year jump. I kind of found myself wondering if that had been accurately reported or not. So I'll be looking out for the Infinite Dial when it comes out. Up next, the ABC is on a recruitment drive. Unmade. Couple of pieces today with the ABC looking for new management talent, Tim. Yeah, there are a couple of pieces here. One uh, in the Media Diary of the Australian, one in the AFR, both on a similar topic. So, um, yeah, in the Media Diary of the Oz, one of the focuses is board vacancies of the ABC. So the way the the ABC runs is it has a, a managing director um, and who 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 effectively runs the business and is the you know the the editorial chief as well. But then they report into the board, um, and those tend to be uh, at least quasi-political appointments under the coalition government. They're almost entirely political appointments. Um, so there are there are currently two vacancies, but um, an ad which has just gone up on the Department of Communications website um, has added an extra paragraph that wasn't in the original ads. I'll read it to you. Given the ABC's desire to attract younger audiences and make better use of its digital platforms, applications are also invited from innovative candidates with up-to-date experience in digital and social media, digital transformation, and or cyber security. Um, so that that's really quite interesting to me because I think it's another nod to the fact that the ABC has got um, a, a, an audience problem at the moment. It's, it's skewing older and older. And, you know, there was a lot that in her time as managing director, Michelle Guthrie got wrong. But one of the things that she got right was identifying that that was a, a key issue and things have only got worse in the, uh, in the years since. Um, Cause it, 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 it really does feel that um, for an organization that maybe 15 years ago was right at the cutting edge of kind of digital media practice, um, it really you know lost its way in the years since. So I'd argue that the you know the 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 the, the sort of person um, they would maybe want on the board now would be someone like Mark Scott, who was the person who 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 helped push it forward last time and is now mainly um, working in um, working in 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 the university sector. Um, 
but the the other um story about the abc today is 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 similar it's about um it's about the issue of finding youth audiences um and that's that triple j the youth brand um is looking for a new manager after current leader laura mccauliffe uh, again apologies if i'm pronouncing her name wrong told staff she'd soon be leaving that one is in the afr this morning um the job ad asking for someone who's a hundred percent switched on how you young audiences work play think and feel so um look it feels ever so slowly the abc is just gradually waking up to the fact that it's got a problem and i guess the first step of um solving a problem is is recognizing that you've got one up next how scam ads have infiltrated the influencer world unmade the ACCC is cracking down on influencer scam ads. Tim, what is happening with fake accounts and what's the watchdog doing yeah, about this it? This is one in the AFR. Now, we actually talked about this topic very briefly last week because this was the Australian Competition and Consumer Commission looking into influencers. And one of the things which got a bit of coverage in, in, in recent days was the fact that there'd been a lack of disclosure in something like four out of five posts. So, so four out of every five posts from, from um, influencers on uh, whether there was a commercial relationship. Um, and that, that, that was more focused on. Um, and, and, and there's more on that today in the AFR, but they also um, uh, look at the fact that um there are issues with the digital platforms. Um, Gina Cass Gottlieb, the ACCC chairwoman, uh, talking about the need for digital platforms because it's critical, this is the quote, when they're notified of a scam, they take them down promptly and we still find them not d- d- doing enough to do that. This is the issue of, uh, you know, it's pretty hard to go on Facebook, even go on um, the wider kind of uh web when you're seeing um google ads without seeing some sort of scam ad using the face of it's often david kosh koshy um plugging some sort of crypto thing and it just feels as soon as you see a headline like they tried to shut him up but it was too late because the program was live or something like that um you just know without clicking that you're talking about something which is going to be a scam crypto ad and the question is if if as an audience member you can know that easily why haven't the platforms developed the technology that they will know or it'll be flagged because you know i don't know if you've heard but there's this thing called ai coming through and um yeah no apparently um apparently we're quite good at that sort of thing yet um yet we don't see um we don't see the platforms doing that much at the moment um now obviously what we don't see is all the ads they don't show but nonetheless it feels like a lot's getting through and of course it's very hard not to feel cynical about the fact that they are receiving dollars for running those ads next the tv networks oppose content requirements and we take a look at whether voz was worth the wait The TV networks are fighting back against content requirements for their streaming services. Can you explain why, Tim? 
Yeah, this one in the Sydney Morning Herald and The Age. Headline is TV networks oppose content requirements for streaming services. So um, not the first time that we've talked about this one, but the um, we're at the stage of the submissions now where Free TV, which is the industry body which represents the Free TV networks, has actually put in its formal submission to the government on this. Um, so this is the body. It represents Seven West Media, um, Network 10, which is owned by Paramount, and Nine, which obviously owns the TV network and also Stan as well. Um, what has occurred to all of them, though, is that um, any obligations on streamers, and that doesn't just include their own streaming services, but more to the point rivals, will drive up prices in the production sector because all of a sudden um, there'll be more demand for local work. So, um, yeah, it's one of those ones. Is it, it, you know, I mean, it's the job of um, these industry lobbying bodies to be self-interested, and this is another self-interested piece of lobbying, uh, arguing that, um, yes, this will just make it more costly for the networks. Of course, what that means is, better pay for the actual individuals working in working for the kind of independent sector um so this so you know there's there, there are two sides to the coin um where i do have a bit of sympathy for the argument though is the argument that there isn't actually a um a market failure at the moment you know there you know what the, the 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 sector is booming in a way it really hasn't for many years so the argument is what is the market failure that the the, the government is trying to kind of protect the audience from i i think the issue is um there is a potential future market failure which will be once this streaming boom goes goes away and everybody is um, back to kind of profit mode rather than investment mode, then for the big global players, that's the point at which they potentially cut back on local production unless there are some rules in place that keep them honest. So I I think this is not, not about right now, but is about the future. And let's briefly take a look at Voz now. Tim, we received the first set of overnight numbers last Monday. What do they tell us? Yeah, look, um, I think the the thing that that I suppose I was looking for was okay. Finally, we're going to get a snapshot for um, in almost real time of how people are watching television now versus how they were, say, a decade ago. So this is something I went into in Saturday's edition of Best of the Week, where I um I managed to dig out the ratings from exactly ten years ago. Um, which, um, as it happened, was the uh, week of the final night of My Kitchen Rules. And the combined viewing across metro and regional of that winner announcement of My Kitchen Rules on seven, ten years ago, was 4.3 million. Now, on the same night on the previous, on, 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 on last Sunday, um, taking in not just metro and regional, but also now BVOD, so video streaming, um, that number was 1.4 million. So it fell from 4.3 to 1.4. Now, in fairness, there wasn't as big a show. Um, it was, you know, Farmer Wants a Wife versus I'm a Celebrity Final versus Lego Masters. So arguably it wasn't as fair a comparison, except if we're making defences for the shows not being as big, then isn't that, 
you know isn't that exactly what we are talking about but um but yeah look it, it, I, I guess what Voz has done is it, it has underlined how much things have fallen and um it perhaps in overnight viewing at least doesn't demonstrate as much viewing as I was expecting to see and that's it for today. We'd love to hear what you think at letters at unmade.media. That's letters at unmade.media. And we'll be back tomorrow with Choose Data, looking at the financial performance of the major communications holding companies last quarter. Don't forget, if you'd like to support Unmade, you can become a paying member. Go to unmade.media to find out how. Today's podcast was produced by Sajid Alzadi with audio production from Abe's Audio. See you next time. Toodle pen. Unmade. Podcast edit by Abe's Audio.